morning to you and my welcome to David's. I'm Andrew and uh, it's a real privilege to serve here as lead pastor of this church. And uh, we've been away at New Wine as well, so we've been having a good and soggy and really quite wet time. Wet uh, physically, but also wet spiritually. We've just sort of drenched in God, and it's been really good. It's been really, really good. Um, what, what's the headline for your summer so far? I wonder what the headline is. You know, just if you're just thinking, you've got to write that newspaper banner for your for your headline. I like the one which said, uh, "Red tape holds up bridge." <laughs> Don't know what yours is. Um, We've just been in a, a caravan because we're not serious campers anymore. We have done that for a few years, but we were in a caravan at New Wine. And have you ever experienced that, that you know, thing, that uh, phenomenon, where even though you are in a tiny amount of space, it is completely possible to lose something? <laughs> do, you, do, do you know what I mean? So caravan keys, okay? We had two sets of caravan keys, all right? And there is a place for the caravan keys to go. I don't have many rules in our family, but this is a simple one. The hook is the place for the caravan keys. Would anyone just like to raise a hand and just agree with me? That's an appropriate... Yeah. Can anyone in my family place the caravan keys on the hook? No. No, so you have that lovely, lovely holiday game, don't you? New wine game, and I've, I've talked about this in sermons before, about find the, find the car keys, but we spent new wine finding the caravan keys. We do not have a large caravan. We are, you know, modest in the... It's my brother's. Thank you, brother. It's a modest amount of space. But those keys had a supernatural ability to get lost. I mean, we just, you know, you just tear everything apart, don't you? Absolutely everything to find these keys. And how did they get under the bed, behind the shoe bag, in the corner? It's, who knows? Was anyone in a tent? Anyone in a tent at New Wine? Yeah, yeah. Did you leave something in the little pocket? You know, have you played that game where you've packed up everything and you've got your tent rolled up at last and then you sort of pack it into the car and with a flourish you bang down the roof of the, you know, the boot of the car and then you go, right, who's got the car keys? Oh, I, I put them in that little pocket inside the sleeping pod in the tent. Did, did you take them out before we... Oh, good. Let's unpack the tent. I wonder what uh, your experience of losing and finding things is. We're, we're thinking this summer period, this holiday period, even if you're not off on holiday from work, but you've got the different rhythms of life. We're, we're having a look at some of the stories that Jesus told. And we're asking ourselves, how could these be stories that we would tell? So when we're at work or we're, you know, socialising with people and they say to us, they say something about faith or they, they, you know, they ask how we navigate life. And we've got our own story to tell and that's superb to tell our own story. But isn't it great to be, to be able to tell stories that come right from, from the heart of God? 
And, and last week we were thinking about one story, the lost coin that, that Jesus told about, uh, about seeking, a woman seeking for a lost coin. And, and Luke has gathered together three stories about being lost and found. It's one of the core themes of the Bible. If you're here today and you've read through your Bible a few times, it's, it's one of the key themes, isn't it? Lost and found. And in Luke chapter 15, and I'm, I'm going to read a few verses from the beginning of Luke chapter 15. There are, in this chapter, three stories of lost and found. And I say last week, Gareth was sharing about the middle one which is to do with a woman searching for a coin that she, she knows is there. There's a, an urgency. There's a, a sense of completeness and commitment. It, I know it's there. I know it's there. And she searches through the night. And it is at night. She has to light a lamp. But she will find it. And the third story in the, the three is, is a very familiar one to many of us. But if you haven't heard it before, it was, we were sharing it with the kids two weeks ago uh, about a lost son. Or is it actually better called the searching father? Is it the lost son? Or is it actually really a story about a searching father? Because uh, in the culture of that day for a son, as happens in the story as Jesus told it, to go to his father and say, Dad, I'd like half my inheritance. And he's not asking just simply for the kind of stuff that is going to be his in the future. He's asking for the very foundation. We had that word earlier. The very foundation of their life as a family. Everything that they were investing for the future. And he says, Dad, can I have half? And the father says, yes and, and all Jesus hearers would have been going what yes wouldn't say yes but the father says yes the son goes off and if you know the story of the prodigal son as it used to be called or the lost son and he spends it all he wastes it the the word in the Greek is for reckless you know just losing and throwing recklessly and he ends up if you know the story uh, you know being absolutely cut off emotionally physically he's moved and spiritually, he's unclean because he, he shares in feeding the pigs. And then he, he goes back in the story, if you know it, back to his father. He thinks to himself, maybe I could just be a, a servant in my, in my dad's house. Maybe my father, you know, they, they at least get food to eat if I, if I go back. And in the story, there's this amazing sort of double movement, if you, if you know the story. Because as the son is trudging back, the father's looking and, and runs, runs to gather, to gather up the son in his arms. Not to berate him, not to, I told you so. And the son falls to his knees. This is the double movement, isn't it? The son falls to his knees and the father lifts him up and restores him fully. If you know the story, there's a cloak put round his shoulders. There's a, a ring, a symbol of authority and position placed back on his finger. And the first story that, that Jesus told that Luke collects is here at the beginning of chapter 15. Let me, I'll read it through you or you can follow in your Bibles. There are spare ones at the front. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then... Jesus told them this parable. 
Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Three parables about being lost and found. And because they're, they're parables, we're to avoid the temptation to read too much into the details. Parables are, uh, are, are allegories. They, they're stories that tell us how things are meant to be. They give us a, a big picture. They give us a story to tell. And Jesus has these three stories of lost and found. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. To just profoundly speak of God's nature. Who it is that we're worshipping. His nature. And how his nature flows into his action. And then secondly, three parables. Three big stories about how things really are. That are intended to provoke a response in us. Isn't this, the, isn't this the absolute nature of God's word? It's, it's one of the senses we know it's God's word because words spoken thousands of years ago still resonate down the ages. You can't hear this story without thinking to yourself, so, so where am I in that story? You know, I don't see many barbarers. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I see... Lots of people who are thinking, where am I in this great story? I said already that in, in, in the second one, the lost coin, there's a, a sense around urgency and commitment. And if we want to think about God as Trinity, God is three, God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. Not sometimes the Father, sometimes the Son, sometimes the Holy Spirit, but all of the time, three in one. We maybe would go with people who say, you know, is there a sense of the Holy Spirit's work? In the woman searching for the coin through the pages of scripture, God's spirit in that way. And with the, the lost son or the searching father, we have that sense very obviously of God the father. But in this first parable, this story of the lost sheep, we can't help but think of Jesus Maybe, maybe you get some of the resonances immediately. I hope you do. That's God's word. You know, for the listeners, the first time round, this, this scene was a, a kind of common scene, wasn't it? The, the farmer is a modestly wealthy farmer. He's got a hundred sheep. He counts them up at the end of the day. We can imagine that happening on the hillside. There's 99. There's one gone missing. And we, we can maybe picture, imagine the shepherd saying, I'm going to go and find that sheep. 
Of course, Jesus' listeners, we may already know well enough, would be going, hang on a second. That's a stupid sheep. You know, that sheep has not followed the rules. If that sheep was a camping sheep, it would have lost the caravan keys and would not deserve chips down at the food court on Friday evening. It's a stupid sheep. It's, it's nibbled its way away. So, so would you leave the 99 on the hillside? Now, now are, is, there a, is there a group of shepherds? Often there are. Is there a, a small boy? Maybe we're thinking back in our, some of us who know our Bibles, we're thinking to the first half to the Old Testament and David as a small boy looking after the sheep. Are, are there people around the 99 sheep? Well, we, we, we're not told that, are we? But I mean, at the very least, it's, a, it's an inequality of effort. You have 99 well-behaved sheep in the flock. And you have one really reckless, stupid, nibbling its way. The grass is greener on the other side. Sheep. And if you, if you know what happens in the Middle East, you know that the shepherds don't, don't drive their sheep home. They lead them home. I've had the privilege of being able to see that. They have their, their own song, their own voice. Each shepherd and the, the sheep that have been mixed and gathered know the voice of their shepherd. And they follow their shepherd. And they're wise to follow the shepherd because the shepherd is going to the place of safety. The, the shepherd is, is going to bed them down for the night. The shepherd's going to protect them. And this one foolish, silly sheep is going to risk the whole lot. It's going to, surely the shepherd, surely the shepherd would say the wise and sensible thing. Let's, let's look after the 99 and we'll see what happens with the one. But no, that's not the economy of the kingdom. That, that's the economy, economy of my life very often. That's the economy certainly of the world around me. That's the economy, you might even be sitting, sitting there thinking to yourself, that, that's how things should be. But it's not the economy of the kingdom of God. The shepherd goes and seeks there is complete purposefulness. There is a complete certainty. There is a complete commitment in the searching. We're absolutely clear. The shepherd does not have to do this. The shepherd does not have to do this. But out of complete choice. Does. The people listening to Jesus first time round would have, most of them had a, a, another resonance in their, in their mind. They would have had that one. They would have had the, hang on a second. Are, are you really saying that that's what it's like? 
they would have also had another resonance in their mind. And some of you maybe here today have got that same resonance if you've read through your Bibles. You've got the, the picture in our Bible, especially in the Old Testament, the first half of our Bible, of God as the shepherd. You see, they would have got, a lot of them, certainly the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are muttering at the beginning, they would have got the resonance immediately. They would have gone, ah, okay. Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, speaking thousands and thousands of years before Jesus was born. Speaking, uh, prophesying to the shepherds of Israel. And at that time, that was the, the kings and the royal leaders and the political leaders. Saying there are false shepherds and there are true shepherds. And God says, because you are not shepherding properly and well, I will come and seek my sheep. I will look for them. And then maybe they were even thinking of, of Micah. If you come along at Christmas to the carol services, Micah prophesying that from Bethlehem, one will come who will stand and shepherd the sheep in the strength of the Lord. Maybe you also know Zechariah. And again, if you're going to tell this story at work tomorrow, or you're going to tell this story to your family about what's the basis of your faith, you might want to be saying, well, the fact that these prophecies about Jesus thousands of years before he came, because, because Zechariah chapter 11 says the true shepherd will be sent and he will be sold out for 30 pieces of silver. He will be pierced for the wrongs of people. And so when Jesus, when Jesus in John's gospel, the biography of Jesus written for us by John, when he says, I am the good shepherd, explicitly, that's something that has been stirring in this crowd that's been listening to these stories about lost and found. It, is he, is, is this about him? Is this about him? Maybe you're here today and you would love to know the truth that Jesus is the good shepherd. These stories are about him. Maybe when you heard me read out that story again, you just were very easily able to, to make that connection in your own mind. Because the story is clear, isn't it? That it's perfectly possible to be in a state of lostness. That, that one sheep really is at risk. On that, on that mountainside. 
I used to live in Devon and uh, we used to go and help the local farmer. Myself and my younger brother used to go and help the farmer on the farm quite regularly. Harvest time, we used to, used to tread load. Anyone know what treading the load is? This is before the age of massive machines that did it. They used to put small boys like me and my brother on top of a rickety great stack and the big blokes would pipe, you know, pitchfork up the bales of hay and then me and Philip would tread the load. We would put it into the right configuration so it wouldn't fall over. And we got paid in cider. <laughs> it was the best job I've ever had. <laughs> and I fell in the sheep dip once. And they put me on the back of a Land Rover and took me home and said, have a sleep. I mean, now you'd be in hospital and... Did he drink much? No, not really. <laughs> See, shepherding is not a green and pleasant land. I mean, it, you know, even from country file, with the spray on mud, we know... We know a sense, don't we? Shepherding is dirty and tough. And if you are a, 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 a anybody here who struggles sometimes with the sort of cotton wool kind of Jesus is my boyfriend sense of touchy-feely, then here is a story you can tell about in the, the realities of the dirt and the grime of life. This is, a, this is a story that is set in the workplace. The shepherd goes to find the one sheep who really truly is lost, really truly is at threat from the wolves. And maybe you're just here today and you just need to hear you could have heard this a lot of times before or, or just for the first time. That God is the one who comes searching for you. He does not play by the economic rules of this world. He does not play by any of the rules of this world. Just like a farmer who is reckless enough to leave 99 sheep and go and seek one, God will leave everything to come and seek you. And he's not looking for you to be a nice, clean, fluffy sheep with a best-in-show rosette on your head. He's looking for you caught up in a barbed wire fence, covered in your own mud and excrement, completely stuck, completely at the mercy of the wolves. He is coming to bring you home. Maybe you know that. Maybe you've already experienced that, but you're in danger of getting lost. Because 
start nibbling away from the flock. The grass appears to be greener. You think it's okay to stay out a little bit later than the rest of the sheep. When you hear the shepherd's voice, the shepherd's call that comes at night, and, 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 and everyone else starts to follow the shepherd's voice, but you think, well, no, just a little bit more grass. And the darkness comes very quickly, doesn't it? But again, the shepherd has noticed. The shepherd has noticed. The shepherd is down the, ca- the count up, the round up. The shepherd knows where the 99 are. He also knows where the one is. He knows where you are. And he's coming looking. He's looking. And when he finds you in the way of this particular story and hear my health warning about not trying to read too much into the detail of of parable stories, but in the way of the story, it's just a a scooping up. There's, There's no, you silly sheep, I told you. And if you're ready to come back in the morning, then I might let you into the fold. You know, the story doesn't allow for that. The story is a picture of God scooping up of us. And then, and then in the story, do you notice the detail about being put on the shoulders of the shepherd? It's not kind of, well, here you are, sheep. I would really like to help you. I have come to show you the way home. If you can just make it back to the flock... You know, how many times in my life has God said to me, Andrew, I would not have started from here. But, and scooped me up and put me onto his shoulders and carried me into the flock. See, maybe you're here today and you're trying to do sheep stuff on your own. Maybe you're kind of super ram sheep. I'm out on the mountainside. I've got big horns. Any wolves coming? Maybe that's you. Our place is in the flock. Our place is with each other. This is a story that, that calls to us. It's a story to tell to people in so many different circumstances and situations. When you meet someone who feels like they're surrounded by the wolves, that they're, they're in the barbed wire fence, they're, they're cut off, they're in their own mud and dirt and excrement and all of that. This is a story to tell about God who is searching. These three stories are all about God's prior initiative in doing the searching. Maybe you will find yourself talking to someone who is nibbling their way away. And this would be a story to tell about a God who sees and notices. Don't put your hand up at this point, but I know statistically, probably a quarter of us are sitting here thinking, if I left this church, no one would notice. 
please don't put your hand up at this point. But if you're in any sense thinking, would my church notice, would my life group notice, and you're really in a sense thinking, actually, would God notice? Has God noticed? Yes. 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 Can you be too far away from God? No. 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 Does God want you in the fold? Yes. Yes. In the story of the lost son, he would have just settled for being a a slave, a bond servant in his father's house. The lowest of the low. He would have settled for that. But he is fully restored. This is a story to tell. This is a story to tell. To so many people in our world today. Archbishop Jackson and Bishop Ernest are operating in spaces where there's questions around political leadership. There's questions around good shepherding. And there is a good shepherd who has an answer. In your family, in your workplace, in the situations where you are. This is a story to tell of a good shepherd. See, we can be like in the story of the lost son. There were two brothers. There's the one who got lost and there was the one who stayed at home, the elder brother. Many of us know this story. And he actually judgmentally looks, doesn't he? He says, he looks at the younger son and he says, this isn't fair. This isn't, this isn't right. This isn't good justice. I've stayed and I've been faithful and This other one's gone and been a stupid sheep and then come back and and gets it all. And the father goes out to the elder son and he says, you will still get your inheritance. You will still get your inheritance. But if you are muttering and grumbling as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were, you are missing out On the fullness of God's grace, the truth, the celebration, the party. David encouraged us earlier to have fun. The feast, the fattened calf is killed for the feast that is laid out by our God. This is to be our heart as a church family, isn't it? This is to be our attitude to lost sheep. Do we share this passion, this depth of desire to go and seek, to tell a story of a God who loves us so completely and so perfectly, he would become one of us. He would lower himself. He would live and teach amongst us 
And then he would willingly, like a lamb led to the slaughter, be prepared to die on a cross, to take away the sins of the world, to remove the barrier between us and God so that we can be in right relationship with our Father in the fold. This is a story to tell. If you're able to, can I ask you to stand? Invite you to stand. Josh is going to come. When we were singing earlier, one of the songs, I, uh, I just felt a real urge in myself. And if it's just me, that's fine. I'll just be here at the front on my own. Looking a little like a lost sheep, really, perhaps. Anyway, there we go. I felt a real urge to step forward. No longer a slave is the, is the song. And I wanted to step forward at the point where the line in the song is about not living in fear. Not living in fear of the wolves, the barbed wire, the nibbling away stuff, you know. And I was also thinking, I wonder if there are people here who want to step forward at the point in the song where it talks about being adopted, being a son and a daughter of God. This song has it all as, as it sort of kind of flows out and, and with this story. So I'm going to ask Josh to, to sing it through for us. And as we sing it, I'm going to invite you just to come out and step forward and stand at the front. I, I wonder if there are one or two people here who for the very first time want to say, I recognise Jesus as the good shepherd and I want to say yes to him I will I will do that thing that that younger son did I will say I am sorry for anything and everything that is a barrier to my relationship with God this is serious I will say God I'm sorry and I will allow him to lift me up I wonder if there's one or two people who want to do that this morning as we sing if that is you after you've done that when someone comes and maybe prays with you or speaks to you would you share with them that that's what you've done so that they can encourage and support you in that but I wonder if there are other people who want to say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I want to step forward into the fold, into the Father's arms. I want to feed on the good stuff of my Father. And you want to step forward at that point for that reason. And I wonder if also there's anyone who wants to step forward for being able to tell this story you've got people in your family you're going to go home to a husband or a wife or a partner or tomorrow at work you're going somewhere where you would love to be able to tell this story 
Not the story about a church that's split around sexuality issues or a church that sort of kind of, you know, whatever is the story. The wrong headline. You want to be able to tell a story of a God who loves us this much. And you would step forward as we sing this song and someone will pray for you to be able to tell this story.